welcome to Tipping the Balance with me, Katie Hickey. Today we hear from Sophie Kirkham. Sophie is a doula and a hypnobirthing teacher. In this episode, Sophie shares her experience of escaping from a coercive, controlling relationship and the fear she had that her baby would be taken away from her. There have been many steps that Sophie has taken to try and heal from that experience and that is still an active process to this day. Sophie is now happily married and in an extremely supportive and loving relationship with three children. We discuss what balance means to her and cover a huge range of topics from addiction, abuse, all the way through to great sex and the joy of vasectomies. Sophie is a fantastic example of a strong and determined woman and I know you will really enjoy hearing all she has to say about life. Hi Sophie. Hi Katie. Welcome to Tipping the Balance. Um, I am really excited to have you here on the podcast. You've been a very important person in my life. Um, I met you when I was pregnant with my first daughter and scared, um, senseless, and I <laughs> searching the internet, what can I do so that I'm not so terrified of what the hell is going to happen to me? And I saw a video of you and I fell in love with you and your voice and everything. I thought this woman is going to help me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, that was my first meeting of you. you. I was massively flattered. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm sure there are literally hundreds if not thousands of women who will say the same thing that they felt scared and then found a video of you on youtube or something and suddenly kind of took a a sigh of relief i'd love to hear because obviously i the sophie that i've got to know is the sophie who you know is a mum a business owner a doula who's just you know so important to so many people and providing all this support to lots and lots of women and families that need it but that's you know you haven't always been that person and Mm. I just would be good to hear yeah kind of how your life has changed or if you implemented certain changes and what the kind of drivers were Mm. for that because obviously you now are a mum of three yeah um, Still sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> Three? So, yeah. <sighs> you are a hero. <laughs> um, I am a hero to myself, actually, because I squeezed a couple more out after I turned 40. Because remember, it was my 40th birthday, two weeks before Meg was born, and we had a Star Trek Star Wars themed party, dressing up. And that was loads of fun. And then I had her two weeks later. Um, uh, okay, so I'd always worked for other people. that's not strictly true in Spain I had run my own kind of teaching people English bit on the side um but I hadn't had many clients I predominantly worked at the drop zone with skydivers and ran a youth hostel and um also for, for skydivers and um taught English um but I came back and that's when I met Josh um and that's Fred's dad um and I think oh god like the truth of it is we did really like each other I was incredibly fond of him 
but there's no way I would be with him now. And I could never envisage being married to him. Um, you know, I couldn't see myself old and grey with him. Um, but maybe because of uh, terrible models that had been shown to me through my parents fucking up occasionally, I thought that he was acceptable. So, you know, we kind of had a relationship and just as we were kind of bringing it to a close, um, I got pregnant and that was around the time as well where I just thought, God, you know, this might be my last chance. I haven't been in a long-term relationship with a man uh, for a while, you know, and maybe we can make this work and... Um, um it was a relationship which was unhealthy um and i realized now that i was isolated forced to be isolated um i had a relationship with my baby and i wanted to keep my baby he didn't initially um and behaved in the most peculiar and vile and unpleasant ways when i was pregnant because the thing is with domestic abuse and control and coercive control that that partner the perpetrator um gets you to just sort of accept their way uh, somehow you just get worn down by it and when you're pregnant their abuse is worse you'd think that because a woman's pregnant it would be easier um, and that they would be more compassionate and more loving and that's actually that's not factually correct it's the other way around they get worse mm. and um, I had wanted a baby for so long um, years and years and years and years you know and I'd been through terminations and I'd been through miscarriages and you know, Freddie was waiting in the wings to be, you know, in my womb. It's just one, one go without a condom, instigated by me, lustful egg days, ovulation time. And, um, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of secrecy going on and I was, I was pregnant. And I just, like, the week before I found out I was pregnant, I remember calling up my dad and saying to him, you know, oh, it's over with Josh now, you know, we're going we're gonna to go our separate ways. It's not working out. <laughs> I also knew I didn't want to have a termination. I didn't. And um, so I gave him an ultimatum. I was like, you know, there is going to be a pregnancy and there is going to be a baby and you're just going to have to get your head around it. What I didn't know was that he already had a child with someone else. Okay. Mm. When did you find that out? That was horrendous. That was so shocking. I think Freddie was 10 weeks old. I'd borrowed Josh's coat to go out for a walk with Fred, baby Fred. Um, I put my hand in the pocket to get a tissue or something. And there was a letter in the pocket and I thought it was from child benefit because I'd made the application for Freddie um, so that we could get child benefit. 
and it wasn't it was from the child support agency and it was chasing him down for this kid his I didn't know anything about and I remember coming home uh, I don't know if Freddie was asleep in the pram maybe because I don't remember him being in my arms when I sort of took the letter and put it on the desk Joshua sat at the desk and I was like what is this What's, what is this? Ooh. He just snatched it off me. He said it was none of my business. I was pretty fucking nasty in my face, which I was used to by that point, actually. Um, and I told my family. They didn't respond in a way that was useful, helpful. They didn't respond at all, really. They kind of left me to it. Mm. Um, and I was already on my knees because this is my first child and I had nobody looking after me nobody was cooking for me and Josh was out to work and stuff I was on my own with this and I had my grandmother and my mum on the end of the phone my grandmother was very supportive but miles away and my mum just doesn't know how to meet that need she just doesn't know and my dad couldn't either and it was just an awful time what would you have liked them to have done? Yeah, good question. Rescue me from the drama. Chuck him out. Change the locks. Did Say you're not good enough. Get to fuck. You're not helping her. She's She needs somebody supportive. Financially, I was footing all the bills. Um, I'd been made redundant when I was pregnant with Freddo. Got a nice, tidy amount of money that meant that I could cope and um i think i i literally cannot remember him cooking a meal after freddie was born or doing any washing or cleaning up or anything which is the opposite of what i have now mm. um what stopped you in that moment rescuing yourself because the only people I really had contact with were him and his mother and they had control mm. and I was so I'd bought into this you know this thing like Freddie needs his dad he can't be without his dad la, la, la. and my needs had gone down the priority list so far and things got worse and worse and there were so many times that I was so uncomfortable in my own home mm. that, yeah, I think I'd had a hypno birth, right? Mm. I had had the money to pay for a midwife hypnobirthing teacher to come here and teach me. And I got through this birth and it left a really strong impression on me and I had to retrain and I knew other women who were doing it, you know, new mums, they're retraining, they're not going to go back to their jobs, they're going to create something that means they can be with their kids. And I was like, that's what I want. I don't want to be commuter mum with a nanny. That's not my bag. And I wanted to spend as much time with Fred as I could because my bond was very threatened all the time. You know, I just felt like they're going to take him away from me. Mm. I'm not a good enough mum and then ultimately breastfeeding him in secret because yeah which sounds bonkers but it was 
Yeah. I think that, I mean, just hearing you say that kind of gives insight into how bad the situation was and actually, yeah, even me saying or like about rescuing yourself is actually... It's impossible. It's impossible, exactly. It's a... You were... I was exhausted. Yeah, and you were... I thought there was something wrong yeah, with me. They'd made because they'd think. made me feel like yeah. there was something wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with me. And I and Josh was a drinker and his family are drinkers and I was really into Alcoholics Anonymous and Al Anon. So I would go to Al Anon meetings when Fred was a bit older. Al Anon is for the friends and family of alcoholics. And it's private and if anyone listening, you know, is in that sort of position, go, it's great, brilliant, wonderful support and anonymous. And um, my friend Joe, lovely Joe, looked after Fred so I could go to the meetings. And sobriety was really useful, um, but I, you know, Josh wasn't going to sober up. And yeah, it all came to a head when he had a hold of Fred and he wouldn't give him back to me. So I called the police and they were on their way. At some point he put Freddie down and I grabbed him. I just legged it up the road to my mate Catherine's. Freddie didn't have shoes on or anything. I just, just like, get the fuck out of here now. The police are coming. Then his mum rang me and said, get back here, you wasting police time, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fuck off. I'm not going anywhere until you get him out of my house. He can live with you now. I don't care if he had a mental breakdown. I don't care if he had depression. There was no love there mm. because all the trust... And you know that I've got trust emblazoned across my living room wall was destroyed the moment I found out that he got another kid that none of them felt like they could tell me about. Mm. I was crushed by it. Oh, I just couldn't believe it. I thought it was our first child. Mm. And then when someone can do something like that, you just think, I don't believe anything you ever say. Yeah, what else could they be keeping from you? It doesn't get, you know, there's, when they go low, we go high. When they just go lower and lower and lower. And so that that was where I was at with it. And I had to go back to work at, at some point and I had to leave Fred with Josh's mum so I go to, could go to work. So there's no clean break. He's still in my life. I retrained in hypnobirthing. Um which I loved, but it also opened my eyes up to the fact that the ways that I communicate are very different to the ways that Josh communicates. And I still felt guilty that it had failed, blah, blah, blah. But I also knew that I didn't want to be someone's secretary forever. And, um, it, you know, I wanted to work my own hours and it's yeah. amazing that you felt guilty that it failed even though I think to anyone listening, they would be just thinking how proud they are of you for actually saying, okay, I, this is not what I deserve and kind of making yeah. a stand. And the fact that you feel guilty, I don't know, what does that tell us about oh, ourselves as women? Other friends with who are married, it's interesting that um, I suddenly, I can remember one guy thought that I fancied him because I invited him and his son along to a play date in the park with Freddie. When he said that to you or he just... Um, he tried to mount me, yeah, with a sort of cuddle, like some kind of weird dog. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's an asshole. I don't know him anymore. 
I love his wife, she's wonderful, but never mind. Um, I know some interesting people, but I know a lot of women in crap marriages, and I'm not settling for that. No. You know, we have a shared parenting thing going on, a shared money thing going on, a shared household chore thing going on. Not when the babies were tiny, and he did that because I was boobing mm-hmm. 24-7. Mm-hmm. as well you know yeah and I had a husband who would wake up in the middle of the night and just lean over to me and say thank you for feeding our baby Aww. I'd be like yes <laughs> that's how it's, this is how it's supposed to be yeah so tell me how that's you met love how did you meet Andy and so Andy is is, is like um, a, a god husband you'll <laughs> love that my best fuck and my husband and probably my best friend especially after this year we've been like we've just not spent any time with anyone else we've probably had three blowouts it's good going I can't imagine what it would be like being in lockdown with an arsehole I feel for those women yeah well the rates of domestic abuse is just skyrocketed I think it's really sad to think about people that have been just completely trapped Mm. and if you have a friend who's in that situation you know a woman you can't just scoop them out of it because if it's just been coercive control to that point it can become physical and dangerous because they the the perpetrator may not have had to be physical and dangerous that way so far they might have just been using financial control emotional control um but it can be dangerous to just extract a woman, which is why refuges are anonymous and stuff. So, yeah, it's best to go through the police and their agencies and do it very, very cautiously and carefully. Um, yeah, I went on a, a programme called the Freedom Programme, which is run by victim, um, victim support. It's brilliant. Brilliant. The women in that room that I was in the group with, I was like... <gasps> I don't want to take any of your stories home. Mm. That woman's partner's in husband because he stabbed her. Um, this one, you know, the ex-partner keeps like hanging out the windows outside her house where she is with her children. You know, it was very like, holy Scary. crap. And other women, you were just like, you have never been shown respect. And so you think this is okay? Um, so yeah, I was single for a while. I spent lots of money on dating apps that were crap. And I think I went on two dates and didn't fancy either of them. There was one guy who was brilliant for a bit of nookie and happened to live on my road. And then, but he, he was brilliant for a bit of nookie, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't go down on me because he wasn't in love with me. And I was like, fucking excuse me. <laughs> Fuck off then. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is pathetic. Off you go. My bed, my rights, you leave. Goodbye. That's hilarious. Weird. People have strange beliefs, right? Okay, you're all right to have it done to you, but you won't do it back. Bye. Yeah. So I, yeah, and I wanted another baby. And I was looking at, um, uh, oh God, was it Denmark? I think for sperm donors. Mm-hmm. And they've got these websites and laboratories where 
they have lots and lots of um, donor sperm and you can look up the psych profile uh, the sort of baby photos of the the donor and you can sort of choose fine home you know the the um the donor and i had a close group of friends who i was sharing this information with you know like you know what do you think of this one and this one and you know and it was going to be something like 1200 pounds for a sort of liquid nitrogen container with like i don't even know 25 mils of spunk in it that's it that's what you get for a grand and a half or something and i remember the month that i was planning on buying it for i ovulated late that month so i'd have just spunked literally 1500 quid mm. anyway in the december spunked it on spunk spunked it on spunk good quality spunk but yeah spunked <laughs> it and um the in the december um a woman that i'd done training with caitlin walker brilliant brilliant coach um and her husband sean is my um coach and psychotherapist and friend he ran the cacao ceremony at our wedding it's lovely um and caitlin was doing some training andy was on the training they were having a chat about andy'd broken up with his sort of long-term partner having got divorced blah 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 and um, he was like, she said to him, are you ready to date? Kind of thing. And he's like, nah, not yet. And then they met again for more training, I'm assuming. Yeah. And they were on a coffee break. And she suddenly thought of me. And she said to him, are you ready to go on a date yet? And he's like, yeah, I think so. And that's when Caitlin said, you know, I think you should give Sophie a call. And so one Friday night, I can't remember the date. Andy will know the date. <laughs> feel a bit guilty. I want to say February. Could be in March. Don't know. 2015, I think. Um, he messaged me on Facebook Messenger. I got this message that was like, Hello, I'm Andy. Would you like to go for a drink sometime? I was like, What? <laughs> Who are you? So I did a quick stalk. And he said then, Oh, Caitlin told me to give, get in touch with you. And I thought, oh, well, if you're vetted by Caitlin because of my history of hideous um, taste in men, <laughs> that it was important that the next one was vetted. Like the first time Andy and I actually met, my mum drove up from Brighton to meet him, to vet him. You know, she wow. wanted to make sure. She didn't say that's what she was doing, but, you know, she, <laughs> I couldn't stop her from checking. For the first date. <laughs> She wasn't with us all the time. Oh my um, God, it's like your 12-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's what I wish, you know, a bit more of that had happened when I was stuck in fucking purgatory with him. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, I also got my mate Sam to check Andy out and make sure he wasn't a wrong one. And he looks at people's reputations and things online and salvages them if they've been unfairly damaged, their reputations. And he went, look, he looks fine and here's a picture of him with his goddaughter and you know he's he looks fine and then i found out that he used to work for a hedgehog sanctuary feeding baby hedgehogs at night <laughs> <laughs> orphaned baby hedgehogs there's a hedgehog there on the shelf behind you oh my god and i was like what for real 
So we sort of courted online for a couple of months, a bit lockdown style. We were like, let's not Skype. Do you remember Skype? That's yeah. the thing we did in the old days. <laughs> <laughs> and then we finally had a face-to-face call. And then he was going to come up here in order to meet Fred because I knew that I really liked him, but there was no point in pursuing anything if Freddie didn't like him either. Mm-hmm. That's that, right? So he came up, um, I'd arranged to go to a gong bath. I thought, I love a sound bath. Yeah. If he can dig that, that's good. But you know, he got here. I think we had the most amazing sex instantly. Uh, then mum arrived later. <laughs> <laughs> we were bursting for each other by then. It's lovely. After all that time, just to feel the love and the tenderness and the, someone really genuinely just wanting me for me and mm. me wanting him back and all of that. It's just, oh. And then um, Freddie met him. Oh, the gong bath was lovely, by the way. Okay, good. I was wondering, I'm yeah. just working out the order of the date. So it, it was, was a sex. Busy day. Sex, then- lunch. My mum came here. We were just starting an interesting conversation. Mum arrived. I was like, oh, we still haven't finished that particular conversation. And it's seven, six years later. And um, and then we went to the gong bath. And we, the next day, the cat, Dharma, who's also on the shelf behind you, her ashes are in that box. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like the history of I'm your life. I'm just noticing. Yeah, because the lamp, the, the also behind you are the... Lighthouses. Um, lighthouses and those are for my wedding <laughs> oh, okay. okay and the glass was full of the leftover cacao for my wedding oh that I'm drinking out. I'm so sentimental I keep everything um oh god um so you met Freddie met Freddie it all went well on the Sunday um, we were supposed to be ripping up carpets, moving the furniture out of my office, ready for new carpets to come, and it was nice to have someone to give me a helping hand with that. Dharma the cat was ill, needed emergency vets. And Andy was like, well, rather than us all going, I could stay and cook the lunch with Fred, and you can go to Thames me PDSA. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's gonna be a lot more fun for Fred. Mm-hmm. I got a phone call while I was there from Freddie saying, Andy won't watch the film with me. And that I can't remember what the film was. But I was like, why, why, what's he doing? And why well, he's cooking. It's like, well, okay. So he watched the first half with Fred and then he was cooking. I was like, do you know what? That's okay. I'm okay with that, Fred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Dharma, our beautiful cat, had some pain relief and turned out she'd got a, an infection, stress infection. She was she was much better very soon. But off her head when we brought her home, I remember she was like <laughs> growling like Barry White instead of purring it's hilarious she was so so heavily medicated and then um, I got home and he had done he'd ripped up the carpet he'd moved all my office furniture into here into the bedroom wow he'd set it all up he'd run all the updates on everything wow and he'd also put everything on the table like how it was before in the office so I wouldn't get confused or lose anything and that might sound a bit like, oh, but for me, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. Real help. <sighs> like genuine, genuine real, real help. help. And then we sat down for dinner and it was all very Disney. Freddie was like, oh, this is the best roast chicken I've ever had. 
He's so polite. It's true. It was nice. I was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. But you never said that when I cooked with chicken. (laughs) 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 So that was good. Um, And then I think, yeah, we just a good match. We're a very good match. We're very different, but we're a very good match. And I get it now when people say to you, you meet the right person, it works. You don't have to work at it. Yeah, we have to work at it and we have to work at our communication. But it's not that I don't, I don't feel like, oh my God, you know, every conversation is hard work, which was how it was before. Mm. Because it was, and I'm free of that now. Um, and I might sound blasé, but it's taken years to get to the point where I'm just confidently able to sort of freely go, mm. no, no, that's not mine. That's your stuff. Put that on you, you know. I don't think that's blasé. I think, you know, you've come out of a coercive, controlling, abusive relationship and the fact that it might take years and years... I mean, lots and lots of people will never be free of those shackles ever. And I have to watch myself. So I have to watch myself for things where I might not do stuff that's in my best interests because of old habits or whatever mm-hmm. and it's been really tough in terms of being in lockdown and I'm very envious of the space that you seem to have at your new place because mm-hmm. we've got our small garden but we're caged up next to some other people who we struggle to get on with and then on the other side we have a blissful neighbour but I don't want that to be part of my narrative I'm struggling with it all the time but yeah mm. um, I I wanted to ask because obviously you've you've been now you've described two relationships that you were in that are both they're both completely different and I wonder you know if there are other people listening maybe that have been in coercive relationships and would learn kind of from your experience and was it just coincidence that you know your friend kind of set you up with Andy or were you were there changes you made to yourself in order to not get into another relationship like that yes yeah so going on the freedom program showed me warning signs things to look out for you know very basic stuff don't give the new partner keys or access to your children unless you're very sure that they are not going to be financially controlling you that they are deeply respectful and a nice person and you know not on the not dodgy and I because Caitlin had sent Andy my way I utterly trust her judgment I would have been incredibly surprised if he was a wrong one just there's no way she would have done that mm-hmm. you know um and for myself I had to protect Fred because I had the guilt that came with you know your parents aren't together you're slightly different to the other kids in your class because your parents don't live with each other or maybe you're really lucky because some of the kids in your class have parents who are in the shittiest relationships Mm. and they're just why you know they're trapped basically and I didn't want that and I didn't want to settle and compromise Um, and I really liked him from the get-go I really 
was very happy. Mm. And I think I want to raise a dynamic feminist. I'm still working on Andy being a dynamic feminist. You know, he still has his chivalry bit where he wants to sort of rescue me and occasionally mansplains me and I'm just like, Oh, it's very helpful, and I know that you you are loving and respect me, but just whatever the fuck it is that you're doing right now, just just stop it. Mm-hmm. I can cope, and then there are other times when I'm like, help! I can't cope. Yeah, <laughs> poor Andy's like, <laughs> yeah. What do I do? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But he knew that. Yeah, he knew that about me. He knew that, you know. And I think also that I'm much more comfortable with. The fact that I can emote, be true, say how I feel, say what I think, untamed. And I'm not looking for his permission. In fact, I very rarely do kind of cross confer with him about stuff. I'm just kind of like, oh, I've bought the blah or we're going to be doing this. And I know that maybe in some relationships it's kind of like supposed to be a shared decision Mm. um and i um yeah it's boundaries it's boundaries yeah it's how i let people treat me is where my boundaries are so if i allow them to mistreat me if i allow them to speak to me unkindly or disrespectfully and i'm no angel okay you know i fuck up all the time I make mistakes, but I, I try to be humble enough to say I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I'm, you know, I feel bad about what I did or whatever. But only if I really care about the person. That's okay. You know. If I don't really care, then I'm I'm just like, okay, never mind. Um, and the the challenge, I suppose, was was also recognizing that. I'd come from when I was growing up my brother definitely got preferential treatment to me and so I kind of saw that I was less deserving of good stuff Mm, that's interesting Um, and then realising that and realising the situation that I got myself into which was you know I just got out of debt when I got pregnant with Fred um, and then I was made redundant and then I was going to be a single mum and I was determined to keep this home, this roof over our head. Um, how did I make sure that I didn't make the same mistake? And I had a lot, you know, I, Katie, I had so much time on my own and I needed that because I spent so long being like, oh, need a boyfriend da, da, da. I didn't needed to oh it is trite but true I needed to learn to love myself for who I am mm. I still struggle with that one because I see reflected back at me other people's own contempt for themselves they're like oh god you know look at her with her confident loud voice she laughs too loud those kinds of things I'm like do people say that hmm Oh dear, I laugh loud too, so... I know. Well, you see, you must be one of those those women that 
yeah that guy I told you about the one that thought I fancied him because I invited his son for a play date and I was a single mum yeah he he definitely made it difficult for his wife to be my friend Mm. because he saw my ideas as a threat Mm. so I recognise it very clearly now I recognise it I can see these guys if anyone listens to the archers not many to probably but there was a character um, on there Rob Titchener who was a, a controlling coercive controlling abusive bastard of a man and it's very difficult to listen to but I you know if I see any guy with a touch of the Titchener about him I just know I know straight off the bat that they are like that and I want to distance myself my children from that and I feel sorry if they've got a spouse you know but that's not my life and not my journey you know mm. somebody needs help they have to ask for it take self-responsibility and ask for it mm. yeah mm. I wouldn't force someone to try and get out of a bad situation they've got to you know hand up rather than the handout kind of thing it's interesting that to hear you say that now because you um when you said you know that you didn't get the reaction you wanted from your family when Mm. you called Mm. you know to say you know this is this is shit this is the situation i'm in Mm. and at that moment you said that you felt like you wanted rescuing but yes but so what would you say if you could talk to yourself then Mm. what would you say in that moment or around that time that he you know there's there's nothing to fear anymore just get him out get the locks changed tell people what's going on don't be ashamed be confident about sharing your story they're not my lies it's not my deceit I didn't deceive anyone and um, when those feelings of shame kick in to just try and flip them around and go you know I'm a survivor not a victim and cliche cliche um, I'm learning to be how I need to be again um, whilst trying to make the bills whilst raising a child whilst I don't know how I did it and I said that to Andy when Megan got here and there's two of us and we rushed off our feet and we couldn't cope you know I was like how the fuck did I do this on my own I don't know Mm. amazing work wise Katie I really wanted to talk about balancing a business and pregnancy and sickness and pregnancy and energy Mm. and I was really sick carrying both my daughters I wasn't physically sick many times because I've got the power somehow to just stop myself from being sick but I just felt sick all the time and when I had Megan who's nearly three I was just adamant I would not have any more kids and then hormones hormones and rightness after having her I just thought I could get away with one quick shag Mm. and now we have Beatrice (laughs) so yeah be warned 
I, did, you know, I never thought taking the morning after pill or anything like that because Megan took 15,000 shacks to get, you know. <laughs> I mean, we were just like, oh, when, why? It takes so long. And then arduously, tiresomely, like everybody always says, oh, it's just when you're about to give up, you know, that you get pregnant. And you're like, that's such a crap piece of advice. Thanks for sharing it with me. I don't really... But yeah, you're and you're pregnant. Mm. Um, and now he's had a vasectomy, which is wonderful. If you don't know what a vasectomy is, it's um, where Blake gets his tubes cut and sealed so that the sperm can't get into the ejaculate and you can't get pregnant. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've gone from desperately wanting to get pregnant to not wanting to get pregnant. Um, I, I I think that sometimes the fear of getting pregnant puts you off having sex sometimes or I feel mm, like mm. you can't fully yeah unless you are taking the pill which you know I know a lot of people don't want to do and I don't particularly want to do mm. um, <clears throat> condoms are pretty good yeah it's still pretty good interrupts still... the the passion in a way yeah, so no, yeah, there's always going to be something. So there's that's why vasectomy seems like a good. It's wonderful, option. and it's the least they can do if you've like carried a kid for them, birthed a kid, fed a kid. It's the least. They're like a bit tender for a couple of weeks. Yeah, he was a, a li- you know like okay, <laughs> first week after he had it done, he did look like someone had been kicked in the nuts. He had a sort of <gasps> look at his face. Oh, like are you, are you all right? Fine. Yeah, really. Okay, you don't look it. And then the second week, yeah, a bit sort of gingerly, carefully, you know, girl jumping on. No, don't jump on me there. Don't jump on my balls. <laughs> Leave the balls. I know, so funny. But yeah, it's good. It's, yeah, the right thing to do. And and both our mothers are like relieved. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's, yeah, physically it's taken its toll. And I, you know, I'm, I, I don't like admitting that because I don't believe in all this geriatric mother bollocks. I think that I wasn't able to exercise, so I lost a lot of strength and fitness, mm. which I'm getting back mm. um, now, finally. So um, how we're talking about kind of finding balance mm. and running a business and being a mum and pregnancy, and obviously now you have a supportive partner like a true partner in all things that will help you and kind of be an equal Mm. um which i you know i don't think many of us have so yeah that's Mm. that is such a an amazing thing to have um what what would you say you kind of feel is important to you to do you, do you believe in balance or um, is there, are there any practices that you feel that you have to keep up in order to maintain some sort of semblance of balance or tipping yeah. the balance? Tipping as it the balance. Okay, so if it's all about balancing, then work, kids, marriage are the three things. And for work, because we work at home... Andy can cover looking after the kids when I'm on call, which means I can do less. Which I wouldn't be able to do if he couldn't do that. 
because then we're looking at much bigger fees because I've got to pay someone else to look after the kids. So big shout out to Alana for all her help when, <laughs> is it twice that he was away when I was on call? Once he was in Serbia. So yeah, most of the time he's around when I'm on call. And um, I have an amazing accountant who I just delegate the responsibility to. And as the business grows, I mean, Tenev has been lower the last few years because I've been having babies. But now I'm determined to get to kind of, you know, I want a seven grand month and then I want my 10 grand month and then I want my yeah. 15 grand month. And then I want to move out of here. There's five of us in a two and a half bedroom place with one toilet. It's not big enough. So, um, the ambition is there. Andy's come on board with um, what we've called Infinite Birth. And it's really nice to collaborate with him. And he's got my back when I can't cope and I can't get back to emails and I can't respond how I want to because I'm boobing or looking after kids. And he, yes, he's looking after the girls and he's also doing his own work. And he gets really frustrated when he can't do what he thinks he can do in a day and I'm like mm, I think you're still working on the level of work that you can achieve when you're single without children mm, you've got to wake up to the reality that that's different and it will always be different when you have a child because you wake up you go ah oh, they've got a cold today so they need more care they need more love they need more looking after and just pack them off to nursery mm. <laughs> you know so all your plans for that day changed and yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, I really, really, really wanted to do this. And then now I just sort of go, okay, what's realistic and practicable? And that might be that the change of plan happens in the morning or it might be that it happens in the moment. I think we need to revisit our boundaries around the phone, um, where it is, when it is, like, they're yeah they're little computers aren't they and they're super useful I took well actually Megan deleted email off my phone by accident wow okay. I've never put it back on okay and I'm just as productive yeah but I don't go around going oh, I've got to get back to I just I have it on my iPad I've got it on my laptop I've got the emails there I'll flag things that need responding to and every now and then I'll have a blitz on those emails that I had to sign up for to get the thing. Yeah. I'll get, you know, I'll do an unsubscribe thing. Um, and if there are tasks that I can delegate that create time so that I can do my work, then I will. So we do, the girls go to a childminder two days a week and Meg will go up to three days in January. Um, B's just started, by the way. Like she's only 13 months old. Mm. She's this is her third week or something. Yeah. Um, we have a cleaning lady that comes and um, Ilona does a fantastic job of just making sure the house gets a good once over. Mm. Um, and fitness, like I mentioned, I was really sick with the girl, didn't get any exercise and I've got very heavy and weak. And so, you know, now it's time to get fit and... I'm looking at building that in around the nursery and school drop-off bit. So that happens then. Mm -hmm. So you're really kind of maximising your 
use of time and your availability you know for your you're giving yourself time um it sounds like by having some childcare, which is mm. like such a blessing mm. <laughs> um, i was asking fred about that i was saying how are you coping with that like if you're down in devon who's gonna oh yeah my fred not your fred um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no we that's something that we're working on mm. yeah still a work in progress but definitely um i recognize that yeah giving yourself that gift of time is so good if you want to feel like you have a healthier balance mm. otherwise otherwise you feel in some ways that it's just unattainable especially because if you're just doing childcare all the time um it's not meant to be that way katie is it no it's not meant to be that way just become um, a shadow for yeah. yourself and I, it's monotonous yeah. and draining and yes there are happy times and it's what I've wanted to have children and to be their mother and to enjoy seeing the growth and the changes the rapidity of it my god it's so quick and yet it's um it's really really tiring yeah it is it's, it's it's the hardest thing i've ever done i think mm. just in terms of yeah the kind of monotony as you say and the relentlessness of mm. it and there are such highs and lows and, and i think everyone has highs and lows throughout their life and that's completely normal and that's again why it's interesting thinking about how you adapt to your own highs and lows and what you do to try and mm. pick, pick yourself up if you're feeling down mm. um but in a day of parenting i think what's so kind of emotionally and physically draining is the number of highs and lows you have in one day mm. and i read um this great book my wild sleepless nights for clover stroud and she mm. just is so eloquent and she the way she describes her kind of parenting experience and she's got five children um yeah <laughs> my wild sleepless nights it, indeed it's yeah. really yeah it's really amazing how she describes it but yeah how she says at one point that it seems like almost on a daily basis you say right this is it I've reached the end of my tether I'm mm -hmm. this is it I cannot take any more but somehow there's always a little bit more <laughs> rope like you always get there's there's a bit more and a bit more but that I just don't think that's a very healthy place to be in mm. day in day out yeah. where you're feeling I'm at the end of my tether because mm. at one point you you know you will just break you might you might break you might want to bolt you might want to leave you might end up you know punishing yourself your partner all the, the things that we aren't contemplating when we're pregnant like it's just not the first time it's not stuff that we think about no and more than ever having had an experience where i wasn't looked after and my needs weren't met and i was made to feel like a bad mum and um to the opposite of you know being cared for looked after and i just the, the way that we are cared for as we care for our newborns mm. is yeah I mean I guess I get that that's a privilege, privilege of mine that I've experienced mm. 
Mm. And if you're in a loving relationship and you're having a child with somebody, you would hope that it should be like that. Mm. And I just, yeah. It defeats me sometimes. You know, I think women are treated so appallingly in labour sometimes. And at the moment, the I think the guidelines about keeping women isolated away from their birth partners, away from their doulas during labour, it's just draconian, non-evidence-based crap. They live with this person. Of course they can be their birth partner. You're letting her in, why don't you let him in? Mm. And um, I, I get defeated by that. And, mm. it, and it's really hard yeah. to stay motivated. And then I've got a couple of women that I'm on call for at the moment whose births I am hoping to be at and they're going to be at home. And I know it will rejuvenate my energy a little bit and make me want to do more. But then, like you're describing this tiredness of of the... We are describing, you know, parenting. When you're at the cold face, parenting and it's just like one day to the next and <sighs> no let up um mm. I, I think that that was part of the reason that I wanted to start this podcast and the, the whole thing is not going to be about parenting although obviously I will that will be a big part of it because of the people that I'll be interviewing and, and I think in terms of our mental health and finding balance in our lives whatever that means for each individual if you are a parent then that is a huge part of mm. balance and things and mm. I think after actually having children and you know <laughs> being a parent in the day out yeah like as you say the cold face and mm -hmm. in the trenches as it were you start to reflect on what's now kind of really important in our lives you know after the birth which obviously as a birth doula you and we're both birth doulas and um that is something that we hold incredibly dear and it is so important and we're both incredibly passionate mm. but then what comes after and how can you if you have whatever kind of birth experience you have it can be positive yeah. um, can be less so but you have to then try and work out how you can find happiness in, in your life on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think mm. both you and I, although I don't know if we know the exact details, but we've both felt like our mental health has been impacted mm. since our, well, my second baby, your third. Mm. Um, and it can really pull you down and make you feel like, I felt as though I didn't, I wasn't really seeing my baby. It was just, I mean, I was seeing her obviously and looking after her, but I don't think I was really seeing her. Mm. Do you know what I mean by that? That you're just in a bit of a haze or a bit of a cloud. Mm. Um, I don't know how you kind of... That comes you... with the tiredness, I think, and the lack of support around... I'm thinking now of asthma, a friend of mine who's got a big family and older children, younger children, older children having children, you know, and 
the closeness of them all and they all know each other and they're all helping each other out and taking food around and the way it would have been before we all lived in different towns and cities. Mm. And that factor, <laughs> it's, some people learn to cope with it. Um, and yet, when you said, you know, try and find happiness every day, I think also there's important work to do on oneself, on myself, on the dark stuff being careful not to try to be the good girl all the time that the dark difficult unpleasant uncomfortable stuff that we feel that we think is significant and it doesn't go away it, unless we listen to it hear it challenge it learn from it and when you're leaning into the 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 things that are upsetting you the most that's where you can do some real learning and make some real change and I had, yeah, one of our arguments was yesterday, and it's a new moon. I realised that sometimes the new moons make me as antsy as the full moons. And it was about why is my husband uncomfortable with me being pissed off or angry um, and emoting difficult emotion? That's not my problem. That's the way that he's had, you know, his good inoculation of patriarchy as a youngster and that women should behave a certain way and they communicate a certain way. And I love our, um, my mum-in-law, Andy's mum, but you know, she's shackled by the way that she has grown up and been told and taught that she should communicate. And if we could just communicate, you know, I can't fucking cope, I need some help without being judged and without going over to the dark side and just abandoning a kid at night and going, I can't fucking deal with it, they can just cry and going I'm not okay I need help what kind of help is that um, is it a rest I've been trying to go away every couple of months for a couple of nights to keep working on my book and I pick a really nice Airbnb somewhere different each time and I get two nights quality sleep and I work hard and I get my ideas together and it's like a recharge I get there and the battery's on red. <laughs> and then when I leave, it's, you know, well up into the green. I don't feel guilty about doing that. How often do you do that? I've done it three times so far in three years. Okay. <laughs> um, but the intention, so I've done it twice in the last two months. Okay. Mm. That's good. Mm. Once a month. Yes, yeah, so I've been um, to a lovely barn and Selga came and helped and worked with me. And then I went to St. Leonard's and stayed in a gorgeous flat. And now I'm painting everything in this house the same colours that were in that flat. And um, I just remember that. So part of the story is that I, um, when I thought I was losing my mind, going insane because of Josh and the breakdown and toxicity of that relationship I went for CBT at the at CADAPT at King's which is the Centre for Anxiety Disorders and Trauma a fantastic PDS, PTSD team I didn't realise I had PTSD I thought that there was something wrong with me not that what was happening to me was wrong but when they suggested that it might be something to do with my partner I thought they would take my baby away that's what was being threatened so I was like oh no no it's lovely it's lovely it's nothing to do with him 
and it was never approached again. But um, yeah, CBT did some of that and I just think, you know, okay, what makes me happy? Well, sex um, is a wonderful release and a wonderful connection with my husband. So we have a morning a week that we will diarise and that's what that's for. And all the children are at school or the child minder and we can do that. And that's important. And if it's not in, it doesn't happen. Mm. Literally. <laughs> Cue very dirty laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's important. And food, how we eat and nourish ourselves. And then, um, yeah, just getting out of the house, man. Ugh. Going somewhere different. Enjoying different spaces um together we've forgotten how to socialize because of lockdown you know so yes um so sex i've i've i actually heard that the what you're describing about putting it into the diary mm-hmm. um on a scummy mummies podcast and oh, they right. were discussing this exact thing you yeah. know do you make a date in the diary for sex or you know do you just kind of hope that impromptu sex occurs and kind of looking at the well when it hasn't been that's when the diarising comes in okay so it's like you know just need some time so yeah I mean it's a it's you pay for childcare so you can get some work done but (laughs) I think actually like the way you pay for childcare to to gift yourself time and then it's up to you actually how you spend that time. time and if you want to um, have a balance, you can't just spend all your free time working because that's not, I don't think that's good for you either. So no. sex is very important. Yeah. You need so to have something for you. Yes. And it's also exercise. It's exercise and it's a wonderful energy release um, to have a fantastic, massive orgasm or two or three, you know? It's... If you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> amazing yeah so i think i'm gonna leave it there on the <laughs> on the huh. yeah on the, huh, thinking of multiple orgasms <laughs> i think there'll be yeah. a lot of people putting a diary entry into their partner's diary yes multiple orgasm date <laughs> yeah open-ended don't know how many hours uh at least three um yeah it's over when it's over and then a couple of hours to just sleep it off and recover afterwards oh my god it sounds like a blissful time (laughs) (laughs) pre-children thank you sophie you've been amazing and i could have talked to you for hours and hours so we might have to do a part two (laughs) (laughs) thanks Sophie. pleasure thank you